This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Reporting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, it's time for the weekly nerd news update with your two-headed correspondent, John Matt. Welcome to your THN Nerd News Update for the week of March 25th through April 2nd. I'm your head number one, the internet's Joe Patrick. And I'm your head number two, my name is Matt Baum, and we start with the big story of the week. Ike is out at Marvel. Ding dong, the witch is dead, witch on witch, the wicked witch. Ding dong, the wicked witch is dead. That's right, Matt, millionaire despot. Mike Perlmutter got a taste of what life is like for the little guy this week when he was laid off from his position as the head of Marvel Comics by Disney Disney CEO and his arch nemesis, Bob Iger. The layoff came after Disney discovered Perlmutter was secretly trying to take over the Marvel board. Iger was able to foil the coup by laying off 7,000 people at Disney, oh, is that all, including purging Perlmutter and his inner circle and effectively swallowing Marvel Entertainment into Disney. Of course, all of us at the Ziggurat hope Ike lands on his feet. I'm sure that he'll be just fine. <laughs> yeah, he still but owns Matt, a shitload of Disney stock, so he's not yeah. going away entirely. Uh, should we be singing Ding Dong, the witch is dead? And what happens to Marvel now? Yes, we should be singing. Ike Perlmutter is a famously, he's a famous shithead. It's that simple. Nobody liked this guy outside of a core group of people that he had running Marvel Entertainment. They just could not oust him because of one... He was in charge. He had friends on the board. He was trying to take do a full takeover of the board so he would have even more power. This is a guy who tried to – there's plenty of stuff this guy's done wrong. But I'm, I'll tell you one thing, one glowing thing that shows what an idiot he is. He demanded Bob Iger fire Kevin Feige. <laughs> the guy that yeah, has made uh, more money than God for that, Disney. That, that seems like kind of a you know a, a bad move. It's just insane. This guy opposed Captain Marvel and Black Panther movies because he didn't think that anyone go to see movies starring black people or women. He was fine with them replacing Rhodey in the Iron Man movies when they hired Don Cheadle because, according to him, people can't tell black people apart. These are real quotes. They were in like texts and memos and stuff this guy put out. Ike is an old, he's a fossil. He's an old man that shouldn't be in this position well, anymore. I mean, and look, these are a lot of like closed minded, backwards thinking ideas. And that guy was in a position of real power. Yeah. He's an old school shithead in a position of real power. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. A lot of these people that are running these major <laughs> corporations are terrible people. Clearly. He was just right. famous for it. One. So is it good that he's gone? Absolutely. Why did they have to get rid of Marvel Entertainment? Because it sounds like the only way to get rid of this Hydra was to cut off all its heads, basically, and say, okay, now you are Disney. And we already have people doing this at Disney. The scary part is Marvel now gets absorbed by Disney, which Settle down. Doesn't mean your comics are going away or anything like that. Marvel's only bringing in 40 to 60 million a year, which is a drop in the bucket for them. So it's not like they're going to be like, comics are too expensive. Get out of here. But well, the problem I mean, they're is bringing in, they're bringing they're a profitable. They're a profitable part of the business right. that also helps generate. Yes. IP for their much, 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 much more profitable 
arm of the business, which yeah. is Marvel Studios. The thing that sucks is whenever one corporation gets absorbed into another, inevitably there are people that lose their jobs. And it's because those jobs are duplicated or maybe you don't need the same person doing the same thing and vice versa. We've all, I mean, I don't know if all of us have. I lived through one of these mergers and kept my job, but you see stuff like that happens. I lived through a merger and kept my job and then ultimately was laid off twice. Right. I mean, this from the from the new company. You're so. just like Ike Perlmutter is what you're saying. I guess. Yeah, they had to cut <laughs> off my head, I, I, I guess. That was the only way for them to get rid of me. The good news is the old shithead is out. And unfortunately, yeah, some people will probably get laid off in this. That's how it goes. Uh, DC just laid off some people last week, too. As Warner Brothers figures out, oh, shit, we do have a comic book division, you know, slowly over the last four years. But stuff like this happens. We'll just have to wait and see if I mean, it's not back. good. I like that. It's, it's not, not good, good when people are laid off, especially no. in, a, in a corporate like. We're not celebrating this. The homogenization of creative ideas under corporate structure is not is nothing to celebrate. But I do think that ultimately Perlmutter was bad for Marvel. Yeah. And I don't think that Marvel Entertainment becoming part of Disney means much of anything. No, for I don't think so either. Marvel Comics. I If it wasn't worth keeping around, they would have shut it down long ago. Of course. No. But, Joe, as the circle of life spins, one guy loses a job and another one gets one. Joey Q got a new gig at Amazon this week. Former editor-in-chief and lovable plus-sized Ewok Joe Casada signed a first-look film and TV deal with Amazon Studios. The deal sees Joe Q developing film and TV projects with a focus on adapting, you guessed it, comic books. Joey, are we finally going to get that hard-hitting Ash TV show you've been lobbying for? The time is now. <laughs> Look, I'd watch an Ash TV show. I don't think that that's what's happening. I don't, um, For those who don't know, Ash was a superpowered firefighter that Joe Casada yeah. created with Jimmy Palmieri. Who back I think in the day. had fire powers. Had fire powers. Yeah, he could control fire, sort of like pyro. That was his deal. Okay, sure. Yeah, is he the guy Look, for the I job think, at Amazon? That's what I'm asking you. Is he the guy? Yes. For the are job? you kidding? Like uh, Joe Casada in his role as editor in chief and chief creative officer at Marvel, like Casada helped foster many of Marvel's biggest moments. Oh, like yeah. Civil War, Age of Ultron's not really a huge thing. but It was a big it, seller it, at the time. It was huge. I guess. Uh, the creation of Miles Morales and Kamala Khan. He executive produced all of the Netflix shows uh, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The guy did a lot of great stuff for Marvel. The creation of the Ultimate Universe. Yeah. I mean, this which dude really was, is is a key inspiration for the MCU. This dude had been there as long as I can remember. And I, I'm going to say more hits than misses. And the other side of this is he's a well-respected and genuinely well-liked guy, which can't be said historically for every Marvel editor-in-chief. The only editor-in-chief I ever heard was an asshole is Jim Shooter. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, but he also got things done. Right. You know, sure. Uh, and his ability, Casada's ability to bring in talent—that's you know, it. Like, is also can't be understated. Now, that's on the comic side, though. He did executive produce for like whatever that means on on a lot of the Hollywood properties. I think that it is a pretty good skill set to translate into developing shows, oh, for comic sure. book shows for, for sure. Amazon. I think if you look at 
like, so Netflix is going to be their biggest competitor, right? And if you look at the Mark Miller deal at Netflix and the lack of success they have had there. Do I have to? And Amazon is looking and saying, we've had some pretty good success with the boys and Invincible. We want that to continue. Do we just sign a deal with a creator and get a first look at everything you do? Or do you get a guy right. that ran a creative juggernaut, knows how to foster talent, finds that talent and can come to them and be like, this is the story. This is the one we need to make. We need to do it this way. I think it's great because Casada has always looked after these people, brought in talented people, fostered that talent. And when you see stuff like that, like bringing the creators in to work on a script, to executive produce a show, to have their say on it, that makes me feel a lot better than so-and-so is adapting whatever. And the person that made it got paid a check. Thanks. You know, like. Uh. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And, you know, I don't know what that means if he's technically competing with Marvel. Not really, because they do their own they do their own thing. And it's not like people that watch the boys don't also watch Moon Knight or well, sure. whatever. I mean, there's an element of competition, but he's not there anymore. He stepped down. He's out. It's true. It's true. Sony is bringing some Marvel stuff to Amazon, uh, Silk and Spider-Man Noir in their endless pursuit of the Spider-Man universe without Spider-Man. <laughs> but that might mean that Casada will still have a hand in some Marvel properties that aren't part of Disney+. Plus. Sounds like it, yeah. And I can't think of anybody better to wear this hat. Yep. I think that this is a good fit for him, and I am eager to see uh, what comes out of it. Yeah. With tornadoes tearing up the South and the GOP screaming about the death of democracy, Scott Pilgrim director Edgar Wright decided America needed some good news and let us know that the long-rumored Scott Pilgrim anime series is a go at Netflix. Matt, you know how much I love anime, but how excited are you? <laughs> You're the biggest anime guy I know, Joe. I'm super pumped for this. I'm super pumped. And again, like we just talked about, the first thing I saw that got me excited, Brian Lee O'Malley creator of Scott Pilgrim, is co-writing and the executive producer on the show. Awesome. Because yeah. Brian Lee O'Malley had a lot to do with the movie that Edgar Wright made. And that movie totally kicked ass. It was so great. We love right. that movie, right? I do. I do. Yes. But I do think that an animated series that will obviously be done in O'Malley's style fits, I think, better with the source material, which was a six-volume set of... For sure style digest yeah like they crushed a they crushed a lot into that movie and there's plenty more to examine and i don't need them to do like an extended live action scott pilgrim tv show no give me a super cute ridiculously cartoony anime the company that's working on it science saru is amazing they did uh, Devil Man Crybaby for Netflix, which was kind of perverted, but super cool to look at. <laughs> they also worked on Crayon Shin-Chan, the movie, which was huge. I did not see it. They were also instrumental in animating Adventure Time. So these guys can literally do it sweet, all. Sweet. They can do everything. And they brought back the entire cast of the movie for the voices. That's, I think, the biggest news is yes. that the entire cast of Scott Pilgrim is coming back to voice their characters. And it sounds like the, um, as Edgar Wright called them, like all these conversations were like no longer than five minutes. They just went, yes, I'm in. Let's right. do it. <laughs> and like, I mean, and consider that because Scott Pilgrim came out 13 years ago and in that time, Chris Evans became one of the biggest action stars on the planet. Oh, yeah. 
Brie Larson became one of the biggest action stars on the planet. Brandon Ralph Brandon became Ralph Superman became and Superman. lost his job. <laughs> well, I mean, still though, it, uh, Aubrey Plaza, you know, went yeah. on to big thing. Like all of these people are huge stars. Well, most, most of these people are huge stars now. And they were all like, yeah, can't wait. Let's do it. Yeah. Poor Kieran Culkin. We never saw that guy again. <laughs> Look, I know that that's a succession joke. I don't watch that show, <laughs> but I do get, I want you to know I do get it. Okay, my favorite thing, the same band that did the music for the yes. video game, Anamanaguchi is doing Anna the soundtrack Managuchi. for this. Uh, they're and so great. They were so fired up on Twitter this week. <laughs> I love it. Good for those guys. <laughs> to our comics news desk. If you've been wondering what Jonathan Hickman has been doing during his vacation from overhauling the X-Men, you're in luck. This week, Marvel announced Hickman will reteam with Valerio Skeety for a new series that aims to redefine the most powerful beings in the Marvel cosmos called G-O-D-S. I cannot wait to see what this stands for. It's going to be something weird. <laughs> I know it is yet unrevealed. This is from the Marvel press release. G.O.D.S. is a series that revolves around cosmic entities like Eternity and the Living Tribunal. Hickman and Skeety are telling an ambitious story that seeks to explore these beings and the very nature of power and godhood in the Marvel Universe. It all revolves around a new character named Wynn, someone with a mysterious connection to these beings and a war that's been raging since long before the Avengers and Fantastic Four were defending the universe! The Eternals? I don't know. I mean, like, that sounds just like the Eternals to me, but whatever. <laughs> Joe, sounds to me like Hickman is mellowing out and writing something a little light for a change. Are you ready for Johnny <laughs> to shake up the very firmament of Marvel's pantheon of cosmic beings? I mean, you know you can just say that it's called gods, right? Yeah. Like, you wouldn't say, you wouldn't say agents of S-H-I-E-L-D. Yeah, 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 but it's been long enough since S.H.I.E.L.D.'s been around, we know that. We just, I just want everybody okay. to know that like, gods is new, uh, it stands for something. Yeah, uh, but yes, it's an acronym, and uh, Marvel is being very cagey about what it stands for, which I joked on cover to cover that uh, it either means it's something crazy or that Marvel has not, or Hickman has not thought of it. They're yet. still making it up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds like basically the cosmic version of his S.H.I.E.L.D. book. Maybe. Which was like every, everything you knew about S.H.I.E.L.D. was wrong. S.H.I.E.L.'s actually about... You're reading Tony's dad defending the world from Isaac Newton or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think this is obviously I'm into it. I, I the thing about Marvel's gods is that like the rules change whenever somebody new writes. Yes, them. like that. It, it, it's not like there is a, a hard and fast set of Marvel cosmic hierarchy and and. Uh, ways of the universe right that they stick to right so. like it like there's i mean so you have odin who is like the king of asgard and the lord of the asgard gods and the most powerful asgardian god there is and then there's like other gods in the universe that could literally snap odin out of inst out of you know existence with their fingers if they wanted to <laughs> and so there really is no rules i guess i'm kind of hoping th this is gonna be weird as hell of course it's hickman but i'm kind of hoping when it's all over and we're sorting through this, we have some kind of better understanding of this pantheon and how it works. I think this is Hickman sorting it out. Sort of like what he did with X-Men, where he said, okay, new chapter for the X-Men. This is how mutants are going to work now. And like even had flow charts and everything and all the books where we saw like this council meets here, this council does this, this team does this, this is how 
they come back from the dead. This is why they do it. Like he spelled out all these rules and I'm kind of hoping that's what they're going to do here. And when we're done, we're going to be able to say, okay, that's how powerful the living tribunal is. That's how powerful eternity is. This is where the Asgardians are under them and stuff like that. You know, I think that's going to be cool. It's going to be, it'd be weird. Yeah, I mean, people like me who like have this dumb information stick in their brains for whatever reason, because they read a handbook or, or whatever, you know, like there is a hierarchy that is kind of understandable. There's the one above all. Well, sure. And then there's the living tribunal who is like the guy that meet the meets out cosmic justice, like living tribunal is the, like he shows up and he's like, no more. This does not work anymore. You right. know? And like, right. uh, and, uh, well, eternity is the embodiment of the universe. Like, so like they all have a function and an embodiment, but I think that they're kind of nebulous enough. Right. At Hick for Hickman to come in and go, here's the real story. Yeah. And I think that that's fantastic. Uh, he says that he wrote this at the same time that he wrote house of X. He's been trying to get this off the ground for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I said, or, or the idea he's been planning it forever since before house of house of X. Well, but I also think, and I don't know for certain, but it would make sense that we would need to do something like Judgment Day first with the Eternals to get them in their new place. So that sets up this larger story of what's going on. The Eternals are going to be involved here. There's no question. You have to. I mean, maybe the the Celestials will be. Right. Celestials, Eternals. Eternals. No, I'm not saying they are, but they work for gods. I mean, that's just it. I mean, I guess. I, I, I suppose. Yeah. I, I think we're going to, the Eternals already had their time in the sun. I we'll see. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I won't be sad if they aren't. No, but, I, I'm not saying one either, but one Eternal became a God in the end of the judgment day. Look, man, I get it, but I don't think it's, I don't think the Eternals are going to be like a huge force in this book. I think the focus is going to be on the literal universe shaking high rollers that, are the ones, you know, writing the laws of physics and right, right, <laughs> things right. like that. Chaos and order, those two dumb floating heads. Sure, sure. I hope we see the in-betweener. I love that guy. I don't know why. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I have no idea what he does or who he, what, what his deal is, but I just love him. So, so uh, I like, I want to see that kind of stuff. I, and I think Hickman is, of course, the guy to do it. Yeah. I just, every time there's a new Hickman thing that's not X-Men related, I have to wonder are they just making it, they're making it up as they go, right? Like they have to be. But I mean, they're always making it up as they go. That's the nature of No, they of aren't always stuff. making it up as they go. Not if Hickman is like, this is my, you know, 10 point plan for the X-Men. And they were like, we don't want to move on to point number two. And he's like, okay, have fun. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> and so, you know, whatever. I well, want the guy to follow. I want the guy to follow his bliss. So here's the yeah, difference between what he did with the X-Men and this. The X-Men is a whole family of books and miniseries and one shots. This is planned as a single monthly one book, series. One book, right. He said, you know, he's not the guy that just gets assigned a book, right? He's not the guy that they bring in to just write a book. No. He is He's a big idea guy. He's the big idea guy, and that's how Marvel treats him. Maybe he gave them he, like here. They were like, here's my big idea for the X-Men. And they were like, OK, thanks. What's next? And so now it's not up to him to see how the Kirk Cohen experiment ends. I mean, so it could be. We'll find out. I have a feeling Hickman is still going to be a major part of when that ends, because, you know, he had a beginning, a middle and an ending. And, right. Sure, yeah. <laughs> right. This comes it's out true. in fall 2023. Something to look for uh, one more line on it. Just this is from Kirkman's mouth. 
Gods takes place in its own special corner of the Marvel Universe, in the cracks that lie at the intersection of science and magic, and revisits some characters and concept that we've reimagined for a more modern, continuity-driven audience. So, like me. That's me. That's you. That's them yeah. coming in going, Joe, we realize there's been some problems with the Living Tribunal. We're going to fix those problems. <laughs> have, have yeah, I mean, sure. Why not? That's what it sounds like to me. I'm into it. Yeah. I'm into it too. I mean, I can't wait. I like, how can I not be excited about a, a brand new, like universe altering? Yeah. I mean, come on. John. Like the dude is, the dude has not steered me wrong. Before we close out the news, let's do some quick takes on some smaller stories. It's time for ludicrous speed news. Ludicrous speed. Go. Joe, the Marvel Avengers game gets its last patch. It is being delisted on September 30th. This doesn't seem like a very long lifespan. Are we going to miss Marvel's Avengers, the video game? Nope. I only played the demo, and I didn't really care for it. Yeah, so. it was garbage. Not only was it garbage, it was broken garbage the entire it time. Was, like, a lot of people liked it. I didn't care about it. Give me a, Give me a single player... Don't give me this always online Destiny crap. Yeah. I want an actual Avengers game. Yeah, please. I don't need to go uh, hunting down stuff to find the out the Aboriginal Hulk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I don't need to grind. I just want to play a game with a story. Yeah. In Secret Invasion news, Amelia Clark is playing Gaia or Gia or Gia, a Skrull who made a brief appearance at the end of Captain Marvel. She is uh, she was Talos's daughter. Yep. So she was a little girl then. Now she is an adult, a radicalized scroll. So everybody was wrong about Abigail uh, Brand and Sword, <laughs> basically. I mean, it doesn't mean we won't see him. It's just doesn't not mean we won't see him. It's just not Amelia Clark. I mean, it's kind of fun. Whatever. I, it's cool that they're throwing money into scroll. Now, here's the next piece of Secret Invasion news, and it's not that big of a deal. We know that Fury wasn't going to be wearing an eye patch, but Sam Jackson came out in an interview this week and said. He's not wearing an eye patch because he is not the man he used to be, which says to me, Secret Invasion is not a flashback. It is set very much in the MCU present. Well, I think that there are a couple of different ways you can look at it. Uh, you can say that it was, well, you can't say it was set during the blip because Fury got dusted. And at the end of Endgame, he had an eye patch on when we saw him briefly at Tony's funeral. Right. So I think you're right. I think this does take place in, at some point, following the events of Avengers. Got to be, right? I think that's off the table as far as flashbacks, though. I'm convinced. Speaking of convinced, Jason Momoa is pretty convinced that he's staying on as Aquaman in the rebooted DCEU. I, honestly, I have no problems with that. Just do it. I don't have any problem with it either. I think it's fine. I think what's funny about this is he's pretty sure. <laughs> pretty sure. <laughs> you don't yeah, know? Like, you know. <laughs> like, first of all, yeah. if I didn't know, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to come off like our last Superman was like, it's great to be back. What? Oh, sorry, folks. I'm fired again. <laughs> our last story. Kate, Kitty Pride is going back to Shadowcat, but the cat's with a K this time. And she's getting a new ninja outfit designed by Peach Momoko. She's joining a team. What? She's going to be on the regular X-Men squad. She's going to be on the regular X-Men team. Right. Yeah, yeah. That She gets the new outfit and she joins the X-Men in the Hellfire Gala event that is kicking all this stuff off. From there, yeah. she's going to be running around as Shadowcat in the pages of X-Men and whatnot. There's a new X-Force team, too. Colossus is going to be running it, which I don't know what I think about that. Yeah, I don't know that. how that's going to work. <laughs> because Colossus uh, is a pretty nice guy. It's going to depend on the... <laughs> 
Well, and it's also it's like it's still like Domino and Deadpool is yeah, there. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if I saw Wolverine in that picture. I He's think I not in it. that picture. No. Uh, but Black Black Tom was there, uh, which is Laura is there though. So yeah, I don't know, man. Oh right, it was Laura, not Wolverine. Right. You're right. right. But hey. back to Kitty. Are we glad she's Shadowcat again? I am. I mean, I. It's fine. I, I, I think it's fine. Like, I, I always just call her Kitty Pride anyway, and even though she went by Kate for a long time. Um, Shadow Cat, I think it's a cool name. Yeah. And um, I don't know if I really care so much about the ninja outfit, but I do like that they're calling back to her ninja training, which yeah. stems from uh, the Kitty Pride and Wolverine miniseries from the 80s. Absolutely. And there are a bunch of people that freak like, she's not a ninja. She Ugh. is a na- ninja. Bad you news, suckers. nerds. Wolverine trained yeah. her. Okay. <laughs> Took Do her your Japan, research. Trained her. What I really Do like. your research. My favorite part about this uh, Peach Momoko redesign, Lockheed's there. Should be. I love Kitty and Lockheed. If Lockheed's not right next to Kitty, then I'm, I call bullshit. Right. I'm all for Kate taking a bigger role. Um, she was fun in the Marauders. I stopped reading the Marauders. I heard it's not that great. Yeah. But I love the X-Men book. Jerry Duggan's going to continue writing it. And I think Joshua Kassara is moving from X-Force to X-Men. That is correct. He is a wonderful artist. And I'm, I'm very excited for this. Very excited. That is your nerd news update for the week. But there's always more to discuss. Join us in our gang hang on Saturdays from 11 to noon or post in our nerd news channel on the THN Discord. You know what else we do on our Discord? We talk about the question of the week. Joe Patrick, let's reset our question and then we're going to give these nerds our answer. Uh, This week's question is courtesy of Anthony D via Discord. What's your favorite comic book page turn? When do the writer and artist craft a singular moment of turning the page where that next panel just hits you? It's not necessarily the best issue of the series or the best story or even your favorite comic. It's just a really great moment delivered by the mechanical or digital turn of the page. And for fun, what is your least favorite? When did you flip the page and exclaim, this book? (laughs) Terms were dictated to me as though this were not my podcast. Uh, on the Discord that I was not allowed to pick Thunderbolts number one as my favorite page <laughs> time. And that's fine. I get it. I'm up to the challenge, even though you're not the boss of me. My second selection is JLA number eight, which was the start of a two-part story where Connor Hawk joins the Justice League. It was uh, written by Morrison uh, with fill-in artist Oscar Jimenez, who I don't see around ever anymore, but he was a phenomenal artist in the 90s. He would go on to draw. He had a run on The Flash. He would go on to draw uh, the second volume of Stormwatch before it became The Authority. Great, great, great artist. Fantastic. Love him. In this uh, two-part storyline, The Key, who is a very old Silver Age JLA villain, uh, wakes up from a long coma, suddenly much, much more powerful than he was before. And what you learn is that his mind has had all the this time to like expand and unlock, you know, get it, the key, and uh, different like facets of his mind. And so he shows up with like, yeah, I don't, I don't remember the exact number, but it's like, I've got 12 senses and, you know, he's got all these extra powers that he's unlocked because he's learned how to tap into this. Uh, he has breached the JLA watchtower, incapacitated the JLA, and 
hooked them up to this machine. He's forcing them to live through alternate lives. The first uh, the first uh, chapter is called Elseworlds, which I which tickled me. And so like Superman is living in this virtual world where he never left Krypton and ultimately became, uh, you know, Kal-El, the Green Lantern of sure. chapter 2813 sure. or whatever. And uh, Batman uh, grew old and married Catwoman and he's fighting his very last battle against the Joker and Tim Drake is the new Batman. And, and so all of these alternate lives, they're generating this energy that he is using to unlock this, you know, the dimensional, a dimensional door that will give him the secrets of the universe, blah, blah, blah. Typical master, supervillain master plan. The thing is, is that Connor Hawk shows up at the justice at the, uh, the watchtower to get uh, inaugurated or whatever. And nobody's there to greet him. And he's like, uh, hello, uh, what's going on? Batman, Wally, are you, where is everybody? <laughs> and he wanders around and he gets attacked by the keys, little robots. And so he spends the issue like hiding and fighting off the keys, robots and trying to come up with a plan to rescue the JLA. And, um, Connor, he runs out of arrows and he ends up in the JLA trophy room where he finds a case of his dad's old trick arrows. We're talking boomerang arrow, boxing glove arrow, all of the cheesy silver age hits. Connor didn't use any of that shit. He used arrows with points on yeah, them. Yeah. He was just a ninja with arrows basically. Yeah. And he didn't have access to any of that stuff. And he finds this trophy case. He says, Oh, Ollie or Oh dad, I forget. And then you turn the page and it's this splash of Connor running into action, knocking the boxing glove arrow and saying, you're going to be the death of me. And that's how the, that's how chapter one ends. And like that book gave me chills and it, it proved how impressive Connor Hawk was as a, you know, a superhero without powers, like why he's worthy of being in the justice league next to Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman. Absolutely. And it was also this really great moment where, you know, he gets to intersect with a part of his father's history. And like, it's such a great moment. And uh, I love it so much. It's a really great page turn. That's a great one. Uh, it, it illustrated beautifully by, um, by Jimenez. My worst will forever and always be the last page of wanted number six, where, um, yeah, I knew Mark you Miller's one. <laughs> Mark, Mark Miller's main character spends the entire issue explaining uh, you know, all this crap about his life and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and then you turn the page and it is him, uh, sodomizing, a a, a woman and making a face at the, at the reader that says, and this is my face when I'm f-ing you in the ass. And it's essentially Mark Miller saying, what kind of idiot reads this shit? Right. It's just a thesis about how Mark Miller hates his audience. Yep. And I, like, I hate it so much. Matt Baum. The best comic book page turn that I could think of and it popped into my head instantly came in the very first issue of Brian K. Vaughn's Ex Machina. And one thing I love in a good comic is a perfect last page. That last page where you see it and you know I have to pick up issue two. No choice. I wish it was out now. This is freaking me out. And it is on the very last page. So I'm just going to condense the story. There's one superhero in the world. His name is the Great Machine. He is also the mayor of New York. And on the very last page of the first issue, you turn 
and you see that there is still one tower standing after September 11th because he saved the other tower but couldn't save the first one. It is an incredible page turn. <laughs> like, absolutely yeah. amazing. And like, to this day, whenever I think of, like, the perfect last page, there it is. Brian came on, killed it. I love that last page. My worst page turn, also a final page. And it is a final page that is supposed to grab you and shake you and go, oh my god, I have to see what happens next. It did not. In fact, a lot of people went, eh, I don't know about this. It was the final page of 2016's Captain America Steve Rogers number one, where we find out that Steve Rogers is secretly a Nazi in this universe now, where he looks right at the reader and says, Hail Hydra. <laughs> what goes on from yep. there? We get like a watered down, he's a Nazi, but he's not the worst Nazi. He's just a Nazi Nazi. You know, like they couldn't even commit to it and make him like really evil. They shouldn't have done it in the first place. But if you're going to, let's go full on. I mean, come on. <laughs> it was just it was. Uh, I mean, it was pretty bad, that whole. It was terrible. That, that whole era. For he ended Cap, up fighting it? himself in the end. And the oh, God, it was just bad. It was a terrible page turn. So stupid. All right. We got a new question here. This week's question is inspired by the big Jonathan Hickman news. We want to know who is your favorite comic book cosmic or godlike being? Do you have a favorite pantheon? For example, Marvel's Greek gods or obviously the Asgardians. Who's your least favorite? Which cosmic D-bag makes you groan whenever they show up? <laughs> and, you know, don't worry about splitting hairs between what's a god, what's not a god. You yeah. get the gist. Yeah. Odin eternity whatever you like uh kismet at dc oh boy it's like eternity he's like eternity but a sexy lady you know whatever we want to know your favorite metaphysical cosmic being and or deity i love it we'll do it right here next week on your nerd news update no comic review show this week we got stuff going on but we'll be back the following week reviewing new comics until next time true believers my name is matt bomb and I am the Internet's Joe Patrick. And this is the Two-Headed Nerd News Update. Signing off.